Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doctors of Running Virtual Roundtable, where we three doctors of physical therapy discuss the art and the science to the stuff that we put on our feet. But today is a very special day. We are really excited to be, to be welcoming Sam Weinbaum from Road Trail Run uh, with us here to the roundtable. Um, we feel extremely honored that he's willing to join us. Uh, if you haven't checked out their stuff, which I'm sure you have, if you've been anywhere in the running world for any amount of time. Uh, they've been putting out uh, reviews on all sorts of running gear, shoes, technology, and we are just so glad to have him here for his insight and wisdom. So thank you for joining us, Sam. My pleasure, doctors. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we want to hear first, we kind of want to give you a chance to tell us the origin story of Road Trail Run, how it started, and um, kind of what's, what's the current vision and trajectory of what you guys are up to. Sure, sure. But uh, uh, first, you know, something came to mind uh, as um, as you both are, uh, all three of you are doctors of physical therapy. When I was at Dartmouth on the cross country team, they used to call me Dr. Grimm. And, but that's a whole other story. Um, um, I've, I've been uh, running, I was trying to figure it out, but about 48 years. And I started um, in prep school because we had to do a sport and I wasn't good at anything. Uh, but I did like to hike. And somehow I could put one foot in front of the other, but that was about it. So um, I started then, and sort of the origin, why I'm still, after a career in startups and business, various businesses, I'm still into the game, if you will, still enjoying my running always, and into the shoes and the technology, is way back in the 70s, when I was in high school, Nike came to my hometown of Exeter, New Hampshire, where they set up their first R&D and in the area of their first manufacturing. So as a high school runner, I had a wonderful coach, uh, Ralph Lovshin, legendary coach. He, he coached 40 years. Uh, he could pull out notebooks and for every cross-country workout going back 30 years, he said, Sam, you ran faster than so-and-so. And the following week, he broke the record. But I also had, <laughs> and he was very, very gentle coached everything. He was more a pole vault, a big coach, everything. But uh, at that time, Nike had their original R&D. Jeff Johnson was the original kind of sales guy, and he liked the area, and he figured out there was shoe manufacturing. And as they split up from A6 Tiger, he set up kind of the operation. So I, there were a lot of young runners. Many of them had been in, on the military team. Uh, we're all gathered in, if you will, and suggest, hey, you want to work in running by sort of the mentor of all mentors, who was also on that team, uh, Don Putnam. So I got to run with all kinds of neat uh, runners. Uh, and, and, you know, even at the time, pushed 100 miles a week before my uh, senior year of uh, high school cross country. <laughs> I won wow. five races in a row. Then my teammates kind of caught up and we won all the championships. But I like to run long. And I continued that really through um, college of course, I was more a distance guy. Didn't have a lot of speed, but went to, we, we went as a team to NCAA Division I in 78. Uh, and then uh, continued after that uh, through the mid-80s. Uh, lived in Switzerland, did a lot of mountain running. There was a lot of trail and mountain running. Um, I was an uphill guy. Uh, I think my finest performance was at Mount Washington in, in uh, winning the junior title twice uh, and running 111 uh, and finishing second in the juniors to Bob Hodge, kind of a legendary uh, marathoner. But I worked in Switzerland. And then with family and work, uh, I continued to run, didn't really enjoy it as much, got kind of heavy. I was working around the clock. And as I turned 50, so about 2007 or so, um, I started writing a blog and I'd been involved in technology businesses, startups and social, um, really social media. So, uh, and, uh, similar thing to Facebook way before Facebook, uh, in-store advertising, um, also in material science. But anyway, I, I started writing about technology and of course running because I was still into the running shoes, fascinated and I was running more. So that's kind of the origin, about 2007. And I did it on the side. You know, something came along. 
I was just looking at Innovate uh, was one of the original shoes I wrote about. I was intrigued because it was really the first running shoe company that was created to make trail shoes, not recycled hiking boots or road shoes with a big outsole. So I ran a lot of Innovates and I wrote, that was one of the early things I wrote about early GPS, so on and so forth. So, but over time, um, and mainly because I was consulting out here in, in Utah, I'm in Utah right now, but live in New Hampshire, in the area of um, electronic medical records and speech recognition. I didn't know anything about the science, any of this, but I'm a kind of forest with trees guy. So they <laughs> put me in charge of figuring out a web-based way to, to do an electronic medical record with speech recognition, command and control, whatever. I was out here a lot. And so I got to start, since I had a bit of a blog, I got a media pass to outdoor retailer, started building relationships mm -hmm. with all the brands. At the time, they all came. Now, uh, the more traditional running brands, your New Balance, you know, never Nike, but um, New Balance, Saucony was al always there, you know, of course, Solomon. But um, a, lo a lot of the brands were, were there. So I, I started building those relationships. And then over time, I, um, it became more of a, not full-time thing, but closer to full-time thing. I, I thought it would be important to have multiple perspectives, not just mine. Um, and most of my wonderful tester reviewers kind of volunteered. You know, they mm -hmm. said, I like, can I write for you? I said, well, what, show me what you can write. And they do a sample. And I said, oh, that's cool. Um, so I, you know, we built the team. I think we're last count, 22 of us um, all Amazing. around the world. Uh, I, we've recently started a more, even though we've had reviewers like Derek Lee in Singapore for quite a while, um, uh, we, we, I decided that given I'd worked in Europe and I kind of understood how Europeans think and work and their work ethic, uh, that we, I had volunteers from Germany. So we started uh, German language coverage and the guy's English is better than any of the rest of us. So <laughs> Niles and Johannes, because uh, they, they had, I forget which shoe it was, but it was one that we didn't have uh, coverage in the U.S. We didn't have the shoe yet. And they did just a brilliant job in English. I mean, I was the German, you know, I could Google translate. But the, the, the concept really is to provide a wide perspective uh, uh, from a variety of runners of different paces, ages, um, skills, interests from road to trail. Uh, we also cover, uh, because I'm kind of a gadget geek, we've, uh, and I was the, um, the um, if you will, the, uh, the senior editor for gadgets and fitness electronics uh, for competitor um, at the time. Uh, so I built those relationships with the various GPS companies, electronics companies. So we do cover that as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun because there are two things I need to focus on, which are make sure my testers get what they really want to run, but also what we really need to review, even if it isn't the flashiest. So there's a balance and everybody tries to live along with that because what's flashy and sexy isn't necessarily what millions are really looking for advice on. They're looking for the basic daily trainer, the 13th mm -hmm. edition of the ghost, you know, the 14th edition of the Romero yep. uh, and what's changed or what hasn't changed. So, so that's also very, very important to provide that kind of coverage. Although of course this year, as you guys have done so brilliantly too, the fascination has been with the, um, all the super shoes, which, um, and I'm going to go off track here, but uh, in all the years I've been running, 2017, when the Vaporfly came out, was the most significant shoe since uh, probably the Asics Tiger Marathon and some of the first Nike Air Shoes, which... Uh, the uh, Tailwind and the Air Mariah Racer, which I got my marathon PR in way back when. So this was a huge, huge seminal event, the Vaporfly. And what's come out 
synths, you know, the, the, the race, <laughs> the foams. The, yes. The, the, not, and, and so it's yeah. very exciting, as you guys know. But anyway, so that, that's kind of a bit of an intro. That yeah, is this is great. I think, yeah, the, it, it's, <laughs> it's fun to hear the origin came out of your love for running. It, it was never, doesn't sound like it was this big, you know, calculated agenda. It was, this is what I love to do. I want to contribute to people thinking about this stuff. And it's grown into a team of people who can help people, you know, find the right thing for them by, by getting some more insight on what the shoe is like before they have to put down the dollars to, to do that. And to have that team is, is huge. We've talked about, that's one reason we wanted to talk with you too. We just see so much value in all these different um, people who can review within teams and across teams because everybody runs so differently and to have insights from people who uh, are different heights and weights and paces and style of running strike patterns, et cetera, is just valuable to have that. So one kind of thing that's kind of interesting is, um, you know, generally, I guess I'd put uh, how shoes with a multi-test review come out in the end uh, when the, the crew says, okay, this is my score. This is my conclusion. Um, they're either universally liked, almost universally panned, or there's a dissenter. Usually it's only one or two out of say five. So, um, a great shoe is a great shoe, no matter what um, its purpose is. And usually it comes out. It really comes out. The, um, uh, at, for example, the uh, New Balance Fuel Cell TC. That's a shoe that struck a wonderful chord this year with a lot of people. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun process to be, to be looking at these things and then Interesting, especially I can imagine for you to see what are the differences between why people are liking this shoe and they're not and, and that. But let's, uh, any, before we move on, is there anything else you want to share about Road Trail Run? Um, also, no, I just have to give a shout out. There's one other thing. Oh, sure. the, uh, your, your review of the Coros Pace 2, one of my friends bought it because I sent them. They're like, yeah. what, which, what, which watch should I get? And I was like, you should read this review that Sam wrote. I, I, you know, <laughs> I got to say that one of the things about watches, you know, unless you take it off and you put one on is how little you notice it, right? People can get all obsessed about the last heartbeat that's missing and this, that, and the other thing. But this watch, and actually I'm wearing it right now. (laughs) Um, After testing the Sunto 7 today on the hike, big improvements, um, is just very comfortable. And Let's. Uh, can I go off track just for a second? Okay, for sure. Okay. Definitely. The reason, and the reason, and I'm gonna try to take. I'm gonna take it up. Well, one thing. Can you guys see? Yeah. Uh, it's a little hard to see. Yeah. One oh, thing yeah. is you'll never lose it. Okay. It has a, essentially a nylon strap with a super durable kind of Velcro, attachment. Right. See? Can you see that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Given it's how lightweight it is, the lightest watch yet created, plus the strap, skinny guys and gals with the skinny wrists, right? It's going to stay on your wrist. You're going to get, I've gotten very solid heart rate readings from this. Mm. Um, Now it's warm, it's summer, you know, it's a different matter when you get into winter, blood flow, blah, blah, blah. But that's its biggest advantage is lightweight and comfort. Um, which is kind of cool. Uh, they've done a great job with it. But yeah. I love a lot of other watches too, you know. Um, yeah. They're, 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 that's a really interesting feel, but we could have a whole other thing about that. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, third episode. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, well, what we'll do now, we're going to transition into actually diving into some shoe topics. Um, yep. And before Matt's, Matt's going to kind of take over leading okay, the questions Matt. on this, but – I think, uh, you know, as we, as we think about this, what I was, I was actually telling my wife this earlier, there's this, a lot of times, there's this sometimes a disconnect between the research that's being done and the questions that are being asked by the people wearing the shoes. And it takes somebody who has a ton of experience to sometimes start asking the right questions. And so that's why she asked, why are you excited for Sam to come on? And I was like, this is why, because he has the experience where he's 
asking the right questions. And so to hear, hear what he has to, to say and ask and the insight that he has, because there's, there's always going to be gaps in the research and questions can't be answered strictly by the, the randomized controlled trials that are out there. So to have insight and the right questions, I'm, I'm just excited. So Matt, you can take it away. Go ahead, Matt. So I want to echo that since the focus is Sam, but just to, for people to know, this is, I'm doing a PhD program right now, and this is what my dissertation is research is on, is looking at a lot of these questions of what footwear is, what does it do to the human body? How does the human body react? Does it even react to it? These are the big questions we're trying to ask. The problem is you can't answer those big questions until you really take care of the small components. And those are the harder questions to ask. And so this is why I've been so excited to talk to Sam as well, because your experience, your knowledge, before we got on, Sam was being very humble and saying, oh, I haven't developed, you know, I haven't designed any footwear. But again, it's your insight and your knowledge behind this and your background into this that is really helpful. So I think my, my, my big question for you first is, what do you think about the current trends in cushioning and geometry that are happening in the footwear world? It's a very okay, broad uh, question. Yes, cushioning and geometry. Uh, well, the, the Vaporfly with the Zoom X uh, really kind of uh, changed the game. Uh, you know, people could go back and say there were, you know, other than EVA, there was polyurethane, this, that, and the other thing. But um, what that Zoom X did was provide um, a tremendous amount of cushioning at a very light weight and a very exciting uh, ride. So there, there have been other... Uh, many others who are addressing the same, uh, if you will, the same challenge, which is to reduce weight and also provide, I think uh, running should be pleasurable, right? You shouldn't feel mm -hmm. like you're wearing a, well, although some people may get comfort from a stiff brick on their foot and you guys as professionals may know there are some that need, all kinds of support and stability. I've always kind of questioned how, really how much and what that can cause poorly prescribed in the running store, i.e. pronation, right? And yes. I, I maybe even ask you the question, how many people really, really need tons of posted or which means a firmer inner side uh, to prevent something? I don't know what, but you tell me. Right. So, Sam, to answer that question, that's actually been very well answered in the research world, in the clinical world. Unfortunately, yep. it does not seem to have made it to the public where people, the concepts of the medial post was introduced in the 70s with the thought of going, mm -hmm. pronation is the devil, we need to stop that. And it, you know, it's taken long enough for us to try to convince the industry to go, pronation is a natural motion. It's a natural biomechanical motion, a way to shock them. Mm -hmm. so the problem isn't the motion, it's it's like any other body part. Can you control it? Mm -hmm. And if sometimes you have to recognize that that pronation, and ex we haven't defined what an excessive amount is. There's no number. Oh, that we have. Once you go past this degree, that's over pronation. We have not mm -hmm. defined that. And it's not been defined by the literature to this day. So to answer your, answer your question, there is a lot of people who are putting quote unquote support shoes. Yep. That's not necessary. And we see them all the time going, I still have knee pain and going, get out of this shoe. Yep. What you're having at your foot and ankle, that's a compensation. You've now taken away your compensatory pattern and now you have right. knee pain, right? Because you didn't address the truth. Right. On. So very few, there are people that do need media, that do benefit from medial posting. I don't mm -hmm. want to say it's bad. It's just that it would, would, they, would it be their knee, knee geometry uh, bow leg versus uh, knock knee. Do we know? There's all, it, it, it's highly individual. It's very, yeah. very hard to make overarching claims. And this is what we've run into the research in is because when you try to look right. at big, big studies that try to make conclusive mm -hmm. claims, there's nothing to be said because people are so right. different. You can't stick them in big boxes. You have to look okay. at the individual and go, why are you having this issue? And I may have had some experience that might help me, but because people are so unique. Yep. And so that's, that's, you know, that's why it makes this really challenging and why the coal going, Hey, let's use one method for everybody. That does not work. And so now cor correct yeah. me. Uh, and I think 
I think Der- uh, Derek Lee, our, you know, a wonderful reviewer in Singapore, yeah. agrees with me that uh, the the best of the uh, super shoes so far for both of us, we agree, and I hope I'm getting this right, is the yeah. very original Vaporfly, the baby blue, I call it. Mm. It had a sloppy, some people thought, upper, mm-hmm. right? It caused, I think, a and you'll correct me as to the exact forward uh, forward of the midfoot pronation that drove you down onto the plate and to yep. toe off. Very distinct. Yep. No other vapor fly came close. The ones later, they firmed up the foam. They put the stupid fly net on it. It was a very so the, the, it had a pronation action. The yeah. the Adios Pro that we we're still trying to figure out what happened. I noticed that the toe bumper yeah. on the medial side is softer than than the lateral side. I think maybe some of the same, right? To drive you to drive you to toe off. So um, so pronation um, is an interesting animal. It's an important animal. What they're trying to to do to facilitate some of the natural, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some of the natural, naturally efficient components of the human of the extremity is if they can get you to get off that first toe, right? You you will activate the windlass mechanism, which helps stiffen up the arch, helps make the ankle more efficient, will help you drive off and toe off better with more force. There's plenty of research on how important that is. So it's funny that, again, the shoe might be trying to facilitate pronation. And remember, this is a relative term because it's trying to facilitate it at the forefoot of the shoe. And it's a good thing. I actually, my favorite Vaporfly to this day is still the original is still the OG. The blue. I, I hate it. The, the baby blue, the right? The baby blue. I the, have a pair that I was... You too. Yes. Yeah. A yeah. friend of mine gave me a, a used pair, and I still yeah. love them. I did not like the fly knit. I found it very uncomfortable and stable. Hence why I gave it to David. Yeah. I'm just, I like okay. it. I gave it to him. <laughs> the uh, next percent was good and more stable, but didn't have the same magic. And the yep. I don't have enough miles on the Alpha Fly to make a conclusive decision on that. David does, but I totally agree. And I think that when we can get away from telling people that pronation is bad and start going, how can we facilitate some of the natural motions of the foot, which pronation is one of them, right? And we don't, mm-hmm. it's, we, we have to start moving people away from that. And unfortunately, yeah. in, there are still many components in the industry and many people in running stores and people online who are continually using that verbiage. And people like yourself, Derek obviously knows this stuff really well. Mm-hmm. Like we, we know this stuff. And so it's, it's a challenge to try to get the public to go you have to change your mindset on this. And well, there's also a, a sh- yeah. uh, I believe also a shoe wall thing, you know, even yeah. though so much has gone more online, you know, there's a, there's a line of, of quote neutral. There's a line of stability and, you know, here's what we're doing here. Here's what, you know, so, so that it's presence at retail, maybe that's right. sort of a, a tail that's, that continues on, you know, right. um, I, 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 the newer age, pronation control, the rail-based stuff, including yeah. the Nike Infinity and the Brooks, um, uh, can't stand them, can't stand them. Uh, particularly when they put them on the lateral side, mm-hmm. you know, it just spoiled that shoe. Um, the best one, and I don't know if you guys have tried it, um, and if it, I think the Ultra Provision, the new Provision, oh. with the soft foam rails and the, you know, the bands that wrap, I don't know what it does in terms of controlling heavy duty pronation, but it yep. sure seems to work. <laughs> it's a nice shoe. <laughs> the, the, provision, the provision and the paradigm from Ultra has been yep. very interesting in developing me- non-traditional methods of guidance. I'm not going to say support, mm-hmm. but facilitating Ben O'Nig's comp concept of the uh, preferred motion path. I think they're doing very well on Sal. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm super biased when I say this because I know Simon Bartold, but I think Salman has mm-hmm. also done a decent job with some of that stuff, but yes. also provision and the paradigm were the two kind of the first ones where I was like, this is interesting. 
So I totally yeah. agree uh, with you on that. I have well, to your provision briefly, but not fully. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk about outsoles, but since we're talking about pronation, yeah. okay, and tell me if you can see this, okay? Uh, this is the uh, the New Balance yeah. Moore Trail, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, what I want to call you guys' attention to is right in here, the outsole. Wait a minute. We're right here. See? See how it wraps up around? Can you see yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That outsoles can often provide a key element of stability. Sometimes yeah. it's overdone, you know, in a shoe that's designed, you know, so you, you often have plates, you know, uh, through here, you know, but look how that wraps up. Okay. That's, that's fresh foam X, yeah. the softer midsole. Uh, it provides a tremendous amount of rear stability to the shoe, just the outsole. Yeah. Along with, of course, these sidewalls. So it's interesting. We'll talk about outsoles later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think, I think it's important to note, um, like this is the whole art and science of the footwear industry and running as a whole, is the idea of playing around with a lot of these compounds and really creating a unique ride mm -hmm. out of these shoes. And just to kind of second off of Matt earlier, um, anytime they do attach a number or some kind of theory or applied research and science, mm -hmm. it's almost always in static measurements. And that's the only thing right. they can accurately, definitively right. do every time. But when you go and you, no one moves statically. When you move, it's dynamic. And so right. that's the hardest part about all of this is that that's where the unique biomechanics and components of every runner comes to life. And so that's why like, one quote-unquote super shoe might work so much better for someone else mm -hmm. than another person. And someone else might entirely ditch the super shoe idea and they might benefit from a more traditional shoe in the racing world. So it's, it's, it's weird because it's like all, all the numbers, all the objective data, all of the things that you're taught in school tend to all be static measurements and things that they can easily replicate. But the truth is, dynamically, it's very hard to get, you know, objective data on that. So that's also why I love the ranch industry as a whole because uh, so much of it is creativity and art based they try to incorporate mm -hmm. as much science as they can into it but they're playing around with outsoles they're playing with midsoles they're playing dual foam compounds their uppers and how the upper can even play on the actual shoe and how it pulls in different ways so it's it's super super interesting and that's a side note so sorry it's cool <laughs> okay, and then it's the other cool. component is that we have all these this science trying to tell us i just spent the last three days in a biomechanics lab which is what i'll be doing the rest of the semester and uh, just because you get something on uh, a certain measurement has may have nothing to do with how that person feels and what their perception of the shoe is. That's a whole other other thing. You know, one thing I might suggest for research is um, you um, you is kind of polling or talking to people more subjectively, and then seeing where what they're experiencing for good or bad is coming from right yeah and yeah. and then and then try to measure then try to measure but don't start with measurement start with the the forest first right the forest and then try to get what get at what um what they're experiencing particularly if you get some um i won't say unanimity there won't be any, but you know you get a trend you know a trend in in what people are saying about something um that's just a suggestion <laughs> along along those lines and yeah. this actually i think we'll go into something we want to get your thoughts on too sam but um i, I believe it was saucony at least we were talking to chad from from saucony a little bit and he was saying mm -hmm. that they were they were testing and asking people how firm or soft a shoe felt and the amount of uh, that wherever they put that on the spectrum had nothing to do with the actual durometer of the shoe. So they started mm. to ask people and people who would say a, a, a lower durometer shoe was more firm to them feeling wise well, than like the higher durometer. Yeah. And it just wasn't what they expected. And so, well, but, you know, well, they, but, but that's an incomplete quite an uh, incomplete um, picture because for example, uh, the outsole plays a key role in that yep. the rest of the geometry uh, we're we're going to finish up our review of the Razor uh, Plus now. Um, I'm not going to be participating in that one. I got enough shoes, but I've always felt that one lacks a, a sufficient outsole heel rubber 
to deal with the geometry and the softness of the foam. Uh, contrast that with the, um, you know, the um, RC Elite from New Balance, right? Yeah. Look, look at that rubber. Or even the uh, A6 Meta Racer, the heel rubber, right? And that's a fairly soft midsole. So it's a, you know, it's, it's, there's the durometer um, is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, is only part of the picture. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think that's my exact point is they're yeah. asking it, they're asking a question that's not matching up with the, the statistic they're looking for, right. where they, you know, asking the question that should be step one, and then look at everything combined to find out what's, what's the matching with the subjective report, mm -hmm. kind of what, what you were saying, I think they're starting to, the research is starting to notice, hey, we're, we're missing something because the, the experience is different than what what we're considering important and putting air quotes for those who are just listening on podcasts mm -hmm. important at this point to measure. So mm -hmm. um, I guess my, my question for you in this was what impact do you feel like uh, the, you know, the soft or firmness of a cushion has to do with a, a ride of the shoe. If you only change that also, we can maybe talk about outsole. Cause I think Matt, uh, we did our review of the razor plus mm -hmm. and that was a piece of Matt's experience in terms of how firm the razor plus felt. So maybe we can. Okay. Hey, Matt, did you feel it was firm? I felt that the addition of the Goodyear outsole helped for helps mm -hmm. firm up and stabilize the ride a little bit compared to the previous version. Mm. That was my perception. Um, I think that so David, you had the same, same thing. I talked to somebody else who actually had a very different response. So it's again, in, interesting, the individual responses to these yep. things. Yes. Um, yeah, because the durometer, the firmness of the foam, but there's also its characteristics, you know, and it's so hard to describe, you know, I would describe hyperburst as sort of, I can sort of feel all those tiny bubbles, mm -hmm. right? They're taut, they're, they, they have some rebound to them, uh, but you can feel that there's a density of bubbles that, um, you know, in the hyperburst. Uh, the, I always describe the Zoom X as kind of a silky, feel very silky smooth feel uh the the um uh, power run pb the the, the pellets of uh, p-backs kind of a firmer overall ride um denser much denser than the the um than the uh the zoom x but but still very well cushioned the, the geometry of the plates play there's a role there the um the, this new um in the um rc elite you know the fuel cell autoclave i don't know what that is but uh making it so light that's that's a comparable feels comparable uh, in some ways to um the um the zoom x but a little a little firmer so there's so many um and then you got the meta racer with the flight foam kind of bouncy really feels like a bouncy ball um so they they summer firmers uh a, a power regular power run in Saucony. A, mm -hmm. I like, I tend to really like that feel. I love the Ride 13, uh, yep. but the Ride 13, we also should talk about flexibility versus rocker base shoes. For me, with the Ride 13, I have it right the, key here. To that, the key to that shoe for me is the forefoot uh, rubber in combination with the flexibility. Yes, thick, David. I mean, there's a lot of thick rubber there, deep grooves. Uh, that is the secret of that shoe. That's what makes it. If they had less rubber, it would probably feel mushy, not as not as responsive, um, given uh, and the flexibility. So the, so many factors. <laughs> did you did you test um, Triumph 17 and 18? Yes. What did you think yes. in terms of rubber outsole impact on that on that shoe? Um, not that one. I, I, the impact there for me trying to remember <laughs> the impact there for me was You've only tested a uh, hundred shoes. This yeah, year, no, so. but what, what, what I really <laughs> felt about the 18 was what they did is they, they moved the, the 18 away from the ride 13. If they had just done the 17, the way they did the, um, if they'd done the 18 the way they did the 17, you'd be fairly close, even though it's a different foam. What I what I 
liked about the 18 was it became much more of a super cushion kind of recovery shoe. And what I noticed most, uh, there's a bit more stack, I think, but what I noticed most was what they made the profile on the ground of the midsole, outsole flatter, flatter, mm -hmm. even though it, it rolls along nicely. So it's just a very highly cushioned, stable, somewhat heavier shoe. Um, it's very pleasurable to run in if you just want to move along slow. You know, it's not a daily trainer anymore, but it's a really, it's a, it's their super cushioned um, trainer, deluxe yeah. trainer. I also like the Omni, is it nine or 19? I forget which number, but the latest Omni, uh, very similar actually to the eight, to the Triumph 18, but with a, with really some, the, the quote pronation control, very hardly noticed at all. That's awesome. Um, uh, that's a that's another one I like to kind of do easy miles in. I tend to like a stable shoe for easy miles. Yeah, I don't want to pay attention to my form. You know, I just mosey along. <laughs> <laughs> so Great. I'm gonna, I'm going to ask a follow up question to our our talk on sure. geometry and cushioning. So yes. what with your with your years of experience, what do you think? You can choose which you can do both or choose one. What do you think the consumer or the industry is missing at the moment when it comes to footwear? Is there something really big that stands out to you? Either, either one of those groups or both are missing when it comes to what's either development or what, what to be aware of. Okay. Uh, I'm going to bring it back to the uh, buckets that people are in maybe at retail, the bucket of pronation, you know, or neutral. Um, I, I enjoy some shoes that have a bit more support for certain kinds of runs. There are people who will only run in X kind of shoe. So the industry needs, and I know they, they're various, you know, people have done various things, you know, measuring, uh, Brooks did it and, you know, Nike did a study on the knees and, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say that, I, even though I broke my leg when I was a kid, I have a bit of a twisted foot. I've never had any knee issues whatsoever or any, you know, any issues beyond the few little injuries you may want to talk about. Um, and still was able to run pretty fast when I was young. So I think, I think the pigeonholing is, is a big issue. Pigeonholing in mentality. And we see that, you know, you guys are on the running shoe geeks you know, people say, I'm only running in this, I'm only, and, and they're also often only running in a certain brand forever, you know, mm -hmm. version, we won't say 15, 18, 22, 23. And then what happens is maybe it changes kind of significantly and they're lost. I mean, they don't know what to do or they're, they're mad when there are other options that, that might uh, be very satisfying for them in terms of the, um, in terms of the actual um, technologies, materials, um, I think that um, that lighter isn't always the best uh, thing. I think often sort of the enthusiasts want lighter, 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 and some of them may show up at your guys' practices as a result. I think uh, there's there's an overemphasis on the lightest possible weight in a certain, um, you know, part of the uh, um, population, let's say. However, well done. There's nothing more pleasurable than a super lightweight shoe that works well. I mean, hmm. for real. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, the endorphin speed might be a good example that, that Saucony, um, uh, that uh, New Balance uh, RC Elite. Um, in the trail world right now, I'm just over the moon with this Innovate G270. Um, you know, I think it's, I forget what it is, nine ounces, you know, an amazing oh. shoe. Zero drop. That's another thing, drop, right? Uh, low, a zero drop, or even four millimeter drop, and I'm maybe looking at uh, some shoes we just talked about can feel way, or Newton, you can feel way lower than, <laughs> than, than four millimeters. Yep. And, and a zero drop can feel like way more than zero. It, you know, mm -hmm. um, 
So that's another, uh, I'm gonna, well, I guess you call it a, a bucket people put themselves yep. in, you know, of drop, yep. um, which I think at either extreme of very high drop, low drop, if that's all you're running, I think they'll be visiting you guys. Yep. Eventually. Yeah. If, if you keep, you know, stuck in the same with the pronation versus neutral, I, you know, uh, heavy versus light, I think you need to mix it up. Now that, you know, they'll sell a lot more shoes too, but I think, <laughs> I think people say. We do. So this, is, this is something that we do talk to our patients about. And I certainly talk to yep. mine was get, don't get stuck in one shoe because what evident, what little evidence we have on things that prevent running injuries, one of the mm-hmm. things that we can't outside of strength training, if you can have a little variety of footwear that is helpful, mm-hmm. right? Cause the more mm-hmm. I want to talk about, if you are in the same thing and do the same thing over and over and over again, that is no different mm-hmm. than overtraining, right? You have a little mm-hmm. bit of variation that'll expose your body to a couple different forces. And that's mm-hmm. why, again, we're not trying to shell sh- sell shoes, right? But it is nice to have a little variety and so just from, yeah. from an injury prevention standpoint. So it's, it's the same thing and, for the people that come still to this day going, I need to have a zero drop barefoot minimalist shoe. And I'm not judging. I was one of those people at one point, mm-hmm. have a little variety to give your body a little break. Mm-hmm. Nathan, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And a little, well, I was going to say a little sneak peek. We'll, uh, we're going to, we're doing a little case study with Sam for another episode of this. So we'll dive more into kind of injury uh, stuff then. So I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole right now. Um, But just to summarize kind of what we all just hit with, with shoe topics and what Sam brought to the table, the impact of the outsole is more than just grip and Mm -hmm. more than just durability. Mm -hmm. It can affect the ride. It can affect stability. It can affect how firm or soft or flexible a a shoe feels and just how thick that rubber is makes a big difference. I like I, I liked your example of the um, the More X Trail shoe yep. um, that you brought up. I think the the first shoe that I experienced that with was actually in a minor way was the uh, Endorphin Shift. There's a very small yes. amount of of the outsole, and I noticed mm-hmm. that in a big way um, when I put that one on. And it was one of the things that I actually loved about that shoe. Very um, and- subtle. It works really well. It works way better than similar kind of rubber in, for example, the uh, guide, um, 13, where you really right. notice the plate there, it, 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 you, the side plate, you know, so instead of a side plate, it's, you know, it's, it's an outsole piece. Uh, I, I can I do one more outsole thing? Sure. Yeah, please. Okay. I know. Okay. Okay. I found the uh, the shift to be way more stable for me than the guide. I would agree. And the same yeah. thing that the her it was exactly the same. I found the hurricane to actually be unstable just because of the the geometry design because of that. But that's just me. Anyway, don't. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know the the hurricane. You know those are well the the guide thirteen with the side plate that's been yeah. done before, right? Yeah. Um, I find it kind of awkward. I haven't never run the Hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, Omni was good. I like the Omni, Impressive. but some of the, the Hurricanes kind of a isn't that kind of an old school design, really? It, a li- yeah. They changed some stuff a little bit, so the design is actually quite similar to how they did the guide. I just I think the 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 way they did it. There's some there's some potential with the next version that's coming out from some of the initial designs I've seen, but yeah, I just yeah. found it unstable. I liked also in the shift the um, the extended. Um, uh, heel external heel cup thing. Yes. Tell me what you think that does for people because I don't think anybody needs any more support at for anything than what's in that shoe and us neutral guys love it <laughs> too. Yeah. I, I would totally agree that I, I think a lot of times st- for stability is overdone for a lot of people and unfortunately mm-hmm. people are are people should there's different things that w- should work for different people but i think mm-hmm. stability tends to be overdone a little bit and i think there's so that was a great a really cool way of providing a little bit of mm-hmm. again not stability a little bit of gentle guidance that we probably yep. would not pick up if you p- hook somebody up to a qualysis a, mo- a 3d motional analysis yep. you probably wouldn't pick up any differences but from a perception standpoint it is quite pleasant so i think that kind of subtle yep like subtle like let me let's support your natural biomechanics and figure out if there's anything else in terms of a strength thing you might need i think that was really great that they did mm-hmm. i think and it's yeah. also kind of a rocker design too yeah. uh, yes you know it's a 
the the heel that heel cup on the on the shift um yep. the way that i actually i've been thinking about it um actually comes from like a, a surgical world so oh. in surgery if people have um like let's say they have a fibular fracture right they'll get they'll likely get something called like an orif and if they mm -hmm. put in a plate on the side of a of a bone they call it load yep. sharing um whereas if they put in these old kind of school models it would be load shielding and so it's better for something to be load uh, sharing for a bone mm -hmm. because that can help it heal. Anyway, that, that's not necessarily the point. Cool. But I think the way that I think about the, that uh, cup coming down is kind of a load sharing mechanism for the foam. So it extends mm -hmm. from the upper down into the midsole. And so the foam and that, that rigid heel counter are sharing the load of the impact instead of just the foam taking all of the blunt of it. It's being shared by that more rigid kind of connected piece, just like in surgery when they put in like an RIF for somebody with an ankle, like a pretty severe ankle fracture that's displaced, mm -hmm. it, it shares the load with the bone, but doesn't shield it from it. And so it can allow the bone to, to act in the way it's supposed to and heal the way it's supposed to all that, but it doesn't take away from the integrity of it, if that makes sense. What I noticed is how much further back it is, mm. right? Yeah. In other words, instead of being towards the midfoot, it's way back at the heel. Right. It, you know, I don't know biomechanically if it, you know, if it, quote, controls pronation or not, but it, it, it's not uh, felt really as anything obnoxious, and it yeah. kind of guides your foot. I think it's a brilliant design. I love that, too. Speaking of which, I think we need to abandon in the industry, abandon the concept of motion control shoes because it, yeah. <laughs> just from having worked in running stores and then now seeing this yeah. from a mechanic standpoint and like actually measuring yep. the motion, you can put somebody in a Brooks Beast and they'll, they may still pronate the exact same amount. You are not controlling. Really? You may. And I used to, when I worked in running stores, I used to see this all the time and I was like, that's weird. And then getting into PT school and going afterward and starting to study the research going, yeah, no, it doesn't necessarily change the motion. So right? that must really put a lot of stress higher up the chain then if they're still pronate because underneath yes. it's probably like a brick. Yes. Maybe that's what screws up their knees. Yeah. So that it's not uncommon <laughs> that if you give somebody a stability shoe and they don't need it, you may yeah. start seeing pains elsewhere, knee, hip, other areas. So you really, if you're going to give somebody a, a moderate or high stability shoe that, really, that they really feel, you better have a good reason for doing that. If not, they're probably... Can you guys hear me? I, I yeah. just lost my... Okay. Yeah, yeah. My things went dead. Before, you know, we, we, I want an outsole thing, if you guys don't yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I don't know, but um, so I'm going to try to describe it. it it's the the uh, the RC Elite from New Balance, and what it has is a whole bunch of little nubs mm -hmm. injected into a plate instead of uh, kind of conventional rubber. Now, this this it's very similar to the Reebok Fast Pro, which even even old me. <laughs> <laughs> run a hilly five-mile race and be perfectly happy in. What I think this, the magic of this outsole, in addition to reducing weight, is it provides a platform that the, the, the toe-off can be as anywhere the person wants, and it also provides cushioning to the shoe. Mm. And... It, there's notice. There's more. I found more forefoot cushioning in um, in the RC than the TC, and our other reviewers felt the same. Whereas the TC has just a slab of rubber, continuous yeah. slab of rubber. Um, so, an a very neat concept of cushioning, and also kind of an infinite. Um, way for the foot to interact with the shoe. Very yeah. neat. Yeah. Sam, that, you're that, making me want to get that shoe, even though I promised myself I wasn't <laughs> going to buy any more carbon fiber plated shoes after the last fiasco that some people on running shoe geeks might be aware of. As I'm still upset about that, but you're making me want to buy yeah. that. Uh, well, it's it's a more conventional riding shoe. You know, it feels. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel super exotic, super, you know, like, like 
the Alpha Fly or the Adios Pro, you know. Um, um, it's kind of, it's basically you take the TC and you whack two ounces off it. There. <laughs> What's wrong with that? And, and, and it's only $25 more, <laughs> you know. Sure. It's a pretty good deal. Anyway. All right. Okay. So we, we are going to transition into our final question for this, for this uh, episode here. Um, and we know you've tested a ton of shoes this year, but we want to talk, each of us kind of given, uh, given that we're getting closer to the end of 2020, uh, what a year it's been. There's been a lot of fun shoes that have been dropped this year by a lot of different companies. But if you look in the world of workhorse trainers or kind of shoes you go to, um, what would be one of your or your top and your favorite pick for the year? And we can all, we can all answer it. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, there are three that come to mind. Okay. Three to come to mind. Uh, I'm going to list them off and I'm going to tell you which one I think is my favorite. Uh, we just mentioned the fuel cell TC. Uh, love that kind of bouncy heel. Uh, it's just a, just a, deluxe kind of fast ride not the lightest shoe but very reasonable um i also like the um ride 13 uh mainly because i do like a flexible shoe but i like some pop out of it it's that outsole uh the one and you know i, ha I gotta say i haven't run it as much as i would like to but if if i don't have something to run i'll reach for it and i reach i reach for it uh, two or three times in the last month. Um, I think as a kind of workhorse, the Pegasus 37 women's is uh, one of the smoothest, kind of most versatile, it'll do some little light trails as well, shoes out there, and a total, nothing wrong with the men's, awkward though, awkward. Um, it, it's a smooth shoe and... Uh, I, I'll get the political here a bit in a minute, but they softened the, the foam, the React foam compared to the men's, and oh. they dropped the PSI of the airbag. They lightened the upper. Okay, the upper is lighter mesh, fits a little more generously, and the shoe is lighter. Now, you got to be in – so I have a, a women's D. So you got to have small enough feet that whatever they end up with a D, but it's just a – very smooth, uh, the, and I've run a lot of Pegasus, haven't enjoyed many of them in recent years, really haven't. This is a super, super nice smooth shoe. Uh, will people, you know, get, uh, well, I can't run in a women's shoe, blah, 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 blah. Believe me, it, it's a D, it fits better than the men's, it isn't suffocating, it's a softer, slightly softer, the airbag is, is, is not kind of something pushing up against your foot, an excellent, excellent workhorse uh, trainer. Wow. I didn't realize there were that many differences between the two, that between the men's and women's. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The Pegasus 37, they, they did that specifically because they really wanted it because the women were giving different feedback than the men. And so they yeah. really tried to change that. I would love to be a fly on the wall as to who they designed the men's for. Who was the inspiration or what was the inspiration? Um, especially the um, pressure in the airbag. Uh, yeah. You know, was it the same pressure with a different foam that they put in the Alpha Fly, which works brilliantly? And they said, oh, just, you know, it's got to, you know, who knows? But um, some people love it, you know, but it, it's kind of an awkward shoe compared to the women's is, mm -hmm. is my pick. Oh. That Great. Very One cool. other thing, I'm gonna, I might send us on a little rabbit hole really quick, Sam, but I want to hear your thoughts. You talked a little bit about um, kind of like fit and toe box. Yeah. Um, what do you see kind of in the shoe design and kind of people's experience with those? What, it, what kind of were your thoughts on, on uh -huh. fit and okay. toe box? So three, uh, three elements, the actual width, right? The materials, and the toe bumper. And there may be also effect of the geometry, be it, be if it's a flexible shoe versus. Um, I think the key uh, 
The two key components are not so much the actual width, unless you really need, and you guys might have the statistics, who really needs a wide, but it's the materials in the toe bumper uh, and how the, uh, and overlays, right? So, um, for example, the Ride 13 uh, fits me very well. I'm very happy, but the, the mesh is quite dense, quite thick, and the toe bumper, if I remember, is quite dense and thick as well. So it's kind of a snug um, fit uh, in a normal size. The, uh, that Pegasus women's, big difference from the men's. Lighter materials, essentially. That's the difference there. Um, an interesting one, again, is this is the uh, more trail. I, just, I have one hike and one run in them. This is a trail shoe. I don't know if you can see, but very soft, even soft and kind of supple for a uh, road shoe mesh with kind of a ballistic nylon uh, toe bumper that's not overly firm. Um, very, very comfortable, but maybe not a good shoe for technical trail running because this is just too supple, you see? Um, so, so that's a whole blend, you know, of elements of um, how the um, width, width is influenced, the feeling of fit is influenced by the design of toe bumper, actual width, and materials. But there's, there's, there's a fourth element, and it's kind of sad because, you know, as we, as I'm fortunate enough to test so many shoes, I, I see this not always, but and I and I can't remember right now which more than others. But when you try it, when somebody tries on a shoe in a store, you know um, the insole or the sock liner is puffed up, right? It it gets packed down. The first run, you'll um, the mesh will stretch some when you run in them. And people, I think, often leave because, you know, once they run it out the door, you know, it's hard to return, you know. So it's a very tricky problem. And I think people often, because they don't want to own a shoe that they think won't fit them, they return them without having run them to see really what that toe box really will end up. Most toe boxes... And I have a kind of a medium to narrow foot are end up really quite fine with, there shouldn't be as much agony. If I remember back to when, <laughs> to the early days, <laughs> you know, the seventies, eighties, you know, we went out for a run, a hard run, you know, we, we, our toes were bleeding, never mind every race. Okay. Uh, it's just immeasurably better. So, you know, um, uh, Quit uh, your belly aching, basically, right? Well, no, because I don't know what people's shape of their foot really <laughs> yeah. is, but but I also feel kind of their agony in trying to decide, you know, um, if it works or not. Half size, this, that, oof. But I will say the Flyknit, Nike Flyknit, Epic React, uh, the 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 Vaporfly. I couldn't stand that stuff. Pressed down on my big toe. Um, I really didn't like that at all. Um, uh, some of those early knits. Uh, another one, um, another one that's troublesome for me with my big toe is is the Levitate Four, because in general knit shoes um, are often compressive over the toes, and the Levitate Fours for some reason they put a strip of denser stuff right up the middle. Um, looks good. Uh, oof. Um, even the 1080, you know, but I, I will say the new, um, here it is, this, the um, Dynablast. Oh, yeah. The knit upper, right? Incredibly comfortable. Too comfortable. The first knit upper where, you know, they couldn't see the toe bumper. I, I don't know if you can see it, but it, yep. not enough toe bumper, but just an unbelievably comfortable knit upper. Um, so that's an evolution of knit, I think. Uh, maybe goes, you know, this this is just a little, a bit more lockdown. But um, 
in general, I, I can't, I have a hard time with mid uppers. But yeah. <laughs> so, so Sam, just to follow up on what you're saying is, I think people need to recognize that fit, and especially in the forefoot, is, is highly individual, but there's also a lot of components that go into that. And there are no statistics, by the way, on what qualifies somebody to wear a certain width, right? It's just how it feels in your foot. Does it break in? And you're not going to know that immediately. There's a lot of things like, and there's some companies who are really smart that work really hard on trying to make those insoles really comfortable because that's what gets people out the door. It's not necessarily what keeps them in the shoe, but that you have to kind of get that shoe worn in a little bit to really understand what the characteristics are going to be like. And certain people, I think one of the biggest factors, not to make a blanket statement, is going to be your body awareness, your proprioception, and your, the sensitivity of your feet. Certain people have much more sensitive feet than others. I have people that probably have like a 4E a width foot that come in wearing a narrow net shoe. And I'm like, is that comfortable? Like, yeah, this is the most comfortable shoe I have. And their foot is hanging off the, the, uh, the sole. And I'm like, but that's just perception, right? So just to follow up on a comment on the, the toe box stuff is that there's a lot of different things that affect fit and you're going to have to recognize that even the size of the, like the actual width is going to, there's so many other factors that are going to affect how it feels. So don't just get stuck on how small or how big the toe box is foot. Your own foot sensitivity is going to also tell you that, right? Certain people have more sensitive uh, appendages than others. Right. So it, it just depends and don't, ignore a shoe just because like oh it looks narrow right like that was my experience with the razor plus and then they put it on I'm like oh this doesn't feel as narrow as i was expecting and it stretched out really nicely so it's again it, it it's highly dependable there's a lot of components so don't just get stuck on is this anatomical or not you know is this does this is this perfectly wide or is it perfectly narrow give it some time oh. and david matt what about you yeah. guys for your kind of workhorse shoe this year um, well, I'll just say beautifully said, Matt, there. Um, for the fit, I had the random tiny comment, I swear. But I had the same <laughs> exact experience in the Razor Plus and in the Reebok Panthea. Like, the upper wasn't – when you put it on, it felt different. It expanded a little bit and ended up being really nice, and it wasn't overly narrow. But for workhouse workhorse trainer, I have two that come to mind. So I've got one that I – kind of always go to and then I have another one that I think I go to more when I'm gonna when I know I'm gonna be more on road and uh, my main one would be the Mizuno Wave Rider 24 wave knit mm. so actually going off of the upper and fit this isn't a review but the upper does have a big influence on the midsole and the right of the shoe it's a softer heel. They have the energy wedge. The transition is filled in with the energy where it used to be an exposed plate. So that midfoot transition is real smooth. And the upper pulls up on the front and you get this nice little toe spring. And so it's just very fluid for me. And I really, really like it. And the, the traction is just enough to kind of go into some dirt or trail situations if I have to. Um, so I really, really like that shoe for my workhorse. It's crazy durable. It's carbon rubber outsole and midsole is holding up just fine. My other one's the Reebok Symmetros. Um, softer platform. I, lo I love it for the road. Just very flowy. Um, the bevel feels nice. And also, that thing is going to go until the cows come home. So, uh, I don't have it in hand, but I'll, I'll go. I'll go next <laughs> because two came to my mind and it was the yeah. Wayback 24 and the Reebok Symmetros. So, except for me, the winner for me is the Symmetros this year. Um, that that was the shoe. I, I mean, I love the Forever Float Ride Energy. Um, just a really enjoyable shoe to run in. And what this shoe did for me, I know Sam. We we kind of went back and forth a little bit, bit talking about experience of the uh, of the um, sock liner in this one. But for me, the they took everything I liked about the Forever Float Ride Energy and just added a little more with a little bit more stack and then changing the heel bevel in the geometry of this shoe. So um, it smoothed it out, smoothed it out a lot for me. The durability is a lot better um, from a, from a foam changing standpoint uh, in terms of getting a lot of miles on them. And I have more on this than I do my original pair of forever floor energy shoes. And I just, so this was, this was my winner for the year. I'm going to go with Sam and go with three since I'm having trouble making up my mind. So same, same as the other one. I picked one. Okay, Sam, Sam picked the peg women's peg. That's fair. All right. So my, 
the Wave Rider 24 uh, knit, uh, again, with those guys, is one of my favorites of the year. Just it, Mizuno has done such a good job with how they change the Mitchell geometry, how they set up the way it fits. I, it's a trainer. I have probably done some of my fastest workouts in that shoe, which is not to be expected. Like I, again, I'm like Sam. I love uphill workouts. Uh, my fiance hates me when I do this to her, but we have done several uphill tempos, which is my favorite thing in the world. They hurt so good. And uh, that has been a great shoe for that. The higher drop is good. I don't notice as much as I would have thought. The way it rolls is nice and that the energy is great. And it's, I'm really excited for some of their other, other stuff coming out. But I also got to give a shout out to the Reebok Symmetros and the Endorphin Shift as well as this kind of top ones. But the, the Rider 24 mesh, or no, sorry, knit has knit. been my, my top one of the, of the year so far. Gee whiz, you know, I really struggled with the Symmetros uh, toe box. Just I remember two you said that. And, and the, I, I, one of the rare times that I fiddled with sock liners to try to firm up the front a little bit, uh, yeah. put a little more volume in it. Uh, the rear of the shoe, fantastic. The mm. bevel, I love that. You guys yeah. know what it does, but I thought really, really fine. But then the front, not enough toe bumper is what I would say. But yeah, there's like no bumper, no really bump. no bumper. And pretty wide, super comfortable, you know, but for me, something a little off, but a great ride, but just, anyway. Yeah. Shout out to Reebok, by the way. You, they did a great job with that bevel. That was awesome. I really yeah. applaud them. And they, they, worked, they worked really hard on that, so good on them. Good stuff. Good Fabulous. stuff. Well, this is part one here with Sam. We really uh, appreciate all of your insight into the running shoe and just spending time with us. It's kind of like having a celebrity on in the running shoe world. Oh, so we're, no. we're thankful to have you join us. The pleasure's all mine. You guys are great. Love your, your, your reviews and, and your running. And uh, it's, it's really been super fun. Let's do it again. And um, let's try to share with uh, all those millions of people out there trying to figure out how to enjoy their running. The shoes play a role the best we can for racing trails, all of it. So this is great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Well, yeah, thank we'll you, definitely do this again. Yeah.